Thank you. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. I said good morning. Good morning. And welcome to this blessed moment. My name is Daryl Allardyce. When we lost Toni Morrison, many of us lost a great writer and a great mentor. Hear her brilliant words from the novel Paradise, words about love. Let me tell you about love, that silly word you believe is about whether you like somebody or whether somebody likes you or whether you can put up with somebody in order to get something or someplace you want or you believe it has to do with how your body responds to another body like robins and bison. Love is none of that. Love is none of that. There is nothing in nature like it, not in robins or bison or in the banging tails of your hunting dogs and not in blossoms or suckling foal. Love is divisive only and difficult always. If you think it is easy, you are a fool. If you think it is natural, you are blind. It is a learned application without reason or motive except that it is God. Do you hear her, friends? Love is God. Let us worship love. Amen. Amen again.
Amen. I have the blanket spreading, so that means young and young at heart, you are invited to join me up here. This is the message for all ages. Hello, my friends. Looking good in these first weeks of school. We Care Buddies are coming in too. All these ages, I love it. This is a special day, so I am glad to see all different ages up here. So Earth is our home, right? Yeah, that's an easy nod on that one. Earth is also home to bugs and birds and fish and animals and trees and oceans. It's their home too, right? All these living creatures and living things call Earth home as well. So we got to take care of it, right? We got to work hard to take care of this planet. We only have this one planet Earth. We got to take care of our home. We work together to take care of this home. When I move from New York to Delaware, I'll have a new home to take care of. You will keep taking care of planet Earth in New York specifically. So give me three quick ways how do you take care of this home? What do you do to take care of the earth? Plant more trees. Okay, Oscar. Yep. Okay. Throw out trash. Throw out trash. Thank you, Gabrielle. One more. One more way. How do you take care of the earth? Robot trash. Okay. Trash is going in the trash can. Thank you, Raja. So those are really good ideas. One of my friends in first worship said composting even. Yeah. So as we gear up for youth-led climate action, a climate strike led by youth, my friends in the first worship added beautiful color to these posters. Can you read them for me, Max? Earth can't wait. We share this home. Yes. Thank you, Max. So, Earth can't wait, and we do share this home. Can you add some more color to this? Or maybe to the backside, you have some more messages. Because in a good protest, you're going to see both sides, right? Can you help me add some messages? Yes. They're ready for you, my friends. Let's say a prayer together with all these young activists who are making sure we take care of this one home that we share. You can link up with a friend next to you. Dear God, thank you for this beautiful home. Help us work together to take care of it. Amen. All right, let's sing some Sia Humba and Climate Strike. Let's do it this week.
Good morning. I say good morning. Could you do me a favor before we get started? Could you take a selfie with me? Are you ready? I am Jackie Lewis, the worst selfie taker on the planet. And welcome to Metal Church. You don't want to see that, trust me. <laughs> How many of you are here for the very first time? Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Shout out where you're from so we can hear you. It doesn't have to be one at a time, just starting over here. Shout out where you're from. Grace Church. Ooh, yes. Where are you from? Colombia. Where? Colombia. Bienvenido. Where are you from? Where? Hello. Where are you from? London. London. Hi. Welcome. Where are you from? Yay. Buddies. Where else? New Jersey. California. New Jersey. None. The New Jersey people are like, is that sexy enough? Yes, it is. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Where else are you from? Anything else? Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> Anybody from Uptown, New York? Harlem, Bronx? Okay, yeah, excellent. Eastside? Okay, Brooklyn? All right. Where, where are you from? Where are you from? They want you to tell. 23rd Street. Amen. <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> Well, wherever you're from, we are thrilled that you're here. If you're online, hey now, we're so glad to see you. Let's wave. Chilling with your lemonade. I see you over there. Um, so we're glad you're here. It's homecoming Sunday. Yay! Welcome home. Welcome home to love. Inside your bulletin is a beautiful homecoming brochure, which lets you know about all kinds of amazing things that are happening at Middle Church, ways that we want you to connect as you can, sing in the beautiful gospel choir, sing in the summer choir when it's summer again, um, join leadership groups, small groups, all kinds of fun things. So back here, there will be a healthy food and sign-up tables and a homecoming challenge. So if you do this, you get gifts. Thank you, staff, for making all this happen. We're so excited. Gospel choir's in the house! <laughs> Middle Church choir's in the house! Tammy's in the house. John's in the house. Band is in the house. <laughs> um, new interns are in the house. And Vanessa and Monique, they were in the house and they're gone, but they're back next Sunday. So, so many wonderful things uh, to do this season together. We're so glad you're here. Welcome home. Um, I'm back from a break. I'm thrilled to be back with you. Somebody finished their book proposal, finally. Uh, that would be me. Yeah. So let's take a deep breath. Um, we have a lot of beautiful, beautiful music planned for you today, including, um, including our prayer. And on the way to that, I'd like to say somebody really special is in the house. No, I don't mean John. He's here. But, but, hi, John. But Gail and Gordon are in the house. Yay! Stand up. Gordon is our senior emeritus, uh, senior minister emeritus. Gail is his wife, and we love you and we're glad to see you. 
Okay, Amanda's going to help us pray. Yes, will you take a deep breath with me? And let it out. And one more. And let it out. And close your eyes now and get comfortable as we move into a time of prayer. Know that love is here. Know that truth is here. Know that you are here. Know that God is here. Let us pray now through song.
As we continue to pray, I invite you to stand and reach across and grab someone's arm or shoulder as you are comfortable. And we will say now together the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, ever-loving and holy God, and love. Let us greet one another now with that love. May the love of God be with you. God on high, hear my prayer. In my need, you have always been like the sun I might have known if God had granted me a son the summers die one by one how soon they fly on and on and I am old and will be
Today's scripture reading is Luke 15, uh, 11 through 32, the parable of the prodigal and his brother. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set out and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he had got him back safe and sound. When he became angry and refused to go in, his father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a servant for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, a son, when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then his father said to him, son, you're always with me. Then the father, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and we had to rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Michelle. Will you say a word of prayer with me? God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I ask God as we seek to hear your word, 
script for our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You look really good to me. I'm glad to see you. I missed you. I missed you. You didn't miss nobody. (laughs) I missed you. Listen, we were prayed so beautifully with our wonderful middle church choir. We didn't get to clap for that amazing song. So just to thank you guys. Absolutely beautiful. So I'm working on a book, and uh, that was what my workation was about. A lot of research, a lot of writing, uh, trying to get this book proposal out of my body. And one of the things I took myself back by was Howard Gardner's book, Leading Minds. Does anybody know the book, Leading Minds? Howard Gardner's book, Leading Minds. He's a, he's a psychologist who gave us emotional intelligence. And in this book about leaders, he studies 11 leaders, uh, Margaret Thatcher, um, Mohandas Gandhi, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he tries to make a, what he calls a, an anatomy of leadership. And he says, leaders tell compelling stories that change the stories that are already in the minds of the audience of listeners. Leaders tell compelling stories that change the story. They, they tell stories that make people move, make them change their minds. He says the stories that people most want to hear are stories that answer our existential questions. Am I okay? Does my life matter? Does the hot mess around me have something to do with something I've done? And that kind of question makes us feel more in control, like, if so, I can fix it. Will I leave the world better for my progeny? Those are the kinds of questions, he says, that human beings are most in search of answers for. And he goes on to say that the leaders who, who tell the stories that are most fully followed, most fully embraced, uh, tell a story that fits. And what he means by fits is it's got some kind of resonance with your past, makes sense that this would be the next part of the story. Um, It fits because it um, answers those questions. It fits because the leader's life is congruent with the story they're telling. So they're walking the walk, they're talking the talk. And this this is what this means. So with that in mind, I'm looking at this beautiful passage in Luke 15, Um, and thinking about Jesus. Now, Gardner did not study Jesus, but it's almost like he did, because here's Rabbi Jesus, who's like the best storyteller ever, right, telling these stories. And in Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories in a row that fit. He says, the kingdom of God is like a place where a woman loses a coin. And when she finds the coin, she rejoices. The kingdom of God is like a place where a shepherd loses a sheep, one sheep out of 100. And he leaves the 99 and he goes to find the one. And when he finds it, he rejoices. And then he says the kingdom of God is a place where a man loses a son. And the son is lost but then found. The son is dead but then alive. And the father throws such a big throwdown, a barbecue with some 
you know, beef and some sweet potato pie and some potato salad, that the brother gets jealous. The brother left home gets jealous. So you think about Jesus telling these stories that fit. He's talking to people who are like him in a place and time not so unlike ours. But in that place, in that ancient place, in Palestine, where Rome is occupying everything, where Jesus' people are the ones on the margins, the ones on the outside, the ones who are outcast. When he tells a story about a woman who loses a coin, and that's like her whole livelihood, that audience would really get that feeling of what it means to be so living on the edge that that coin is everything. And when you find it, you are sure enough having a good time about it. When he tells a story about the sheep that's lost to an agrarian people, a wandering people, a people moving across the desert to make a living, these shepherds were not rich, but they had some property. And to lose one sheep, Sheep are really weird. You lose one, the rest of them might follow that sheep off to wherever the sheep went. So the shepherd is risking his whole flock if he doesn't go get that one. And he goes to get that one. And the people in Jesus' time, the Bedouins, the, the Palestinian shepherds, the Jewish shepherds, the poor shepherds would have really resonated with that story. And then by the time we get to this father, this father who loses this son, this son who leaves home, who leaves everything that's comfortable to him, this second son, in a culture, in a, in, a, in a society where the first matters the most, the first one is the one with the inheritance, the second one, nobody cares about the second son. Sorry, Christian, are you still here? Nobody cares about that second son. Uh, you know, when Jesus is telling that story to his people, Maybe he has in mind Israel's leave-taking. How many times and ways Jesus' people kind of leave their God? Kind of like, God, you're on my nerves. You, you didn't answer prayer. You didn't, you didn't bring it. You didn't do it. Let me worship some other gods. Let me build a golden calf, even you, though you just took me out of slavery. Maybe Jesus has in mind his own people's sense of leave-taking, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Leah, Rachel, Mary. Or maybe, and this is my holy imagination at play, you know, Jesus gets so much woo-woo-ness about him, we forget that Jesus has got siblings. Yes, Jesus has siblings. Jesus has an older brother. So maybe when he's telling this story, maybe when he's telling the story about a younger son who feels you know, disenfranchised, maybe that story is a little closer to home. Maybe Jesus got some other little friends who had big brothers, and they sat around the campfire thinking about, you know, Mark and Bob and whoever their names were, Isaac, and how they got all the goodies and they got all the power and they were going to inherit all the stuff and we second ones weren't going to get anything. I mean, maybe Jesus just had his own, pardon me, Jesus, butt on his shoulder. Maybe he just wasn't feeling happy about it. Maybe he resonated with that sense of outsiderness. Are you all with me? Maybe Jesus, not only kind of culturally, his people, the Palestinians, in a culture of rich Romans occupying everything, they had a feeling of outsiderness. But maybe Jesus himself had a feeling 
of outsiderness. Either way, outsider plays a big role in all the stories he tells. The first will be last. The last will be first. Outsiders, welcome. These women who don't have any role in society, they're like running my ministry. Outsiders. Women can't speak in church, but guess what? We only have a gospel because Mary Magdalene went and told the story. I have seen the Lord, outsider. You all are trying to keep the children from me? What? Bring the children here so I can touch them. In fact, if you don't know about children, you don't know about the kingdom of God, outsider. Kicking it with tax collectors, hanging out with the hoes. <laughs> or horse. <laughs> the prostitutes. Outsider. Outsider. Those who are on the margins, those who, are, who would be left out, discon disconnected, dispossessed, outsider, outsider. Samaritan, starring in the story about neighbor, outsider. Touching the lepers, spitting on the mud eyes, making the mud, healing the blind, disrupting everything the people thought they, thought they knew about who mattered and what sin was about. This ain't nothing about the sins of the fathers. This is just folks sick and I can heal them. Like Jesus was always talking about the outside, in, the lost, the left out, the dispossessed, telling a story from his social location that was particular and therefore universal. Who can't relate to being left out in this room? Rock stars, all of you, but yet. Somebody one day didn't pick you. You lost your job. You lost your hope. You broke up with your lover, your partner. We have that outside feeling because we've all experienced loss. Hope, purpose. The unborn baby we prayed for. Our nana, our mother, our auntie. Our sense of what goodness meant, our, our sense of hope, our sense of per perfection. We lost auditions. We didn't get the job. We didn't get picked for the team. And so it's a new program year, and there's a lot to do. And you all know I'm the cheerleader for justice. Let's go get it. But today I want to cheerlead for more than that. I also want to cheerlead for us to be a place, a home place, the kind of home where love lives. So we can come home to love, come home to a place where our lostness is okay, where our sorrow is okay, where our uncertainty is okay, where our perplexedness is okay, where we didn't get all the things and we don't do all the things and we don't know all the answers and we feel overwhelmed and we feel like maybe we're not worthy, all of that. Can we be a home place, a love place, the kind of home where that's okay and expected? Grief is expected. Dissonance is expected. Not knowing is expected. Anger. 
can be expected. Sorrow can be expected. And can we then be the kind of place that is the sort of in-between place, the liminal space? I'm lost, but I'm on a journey. I'm grieving, but I'm getting better. I, 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 I've lost my way, but I'm seeing a direction. Can we be the kind of place where exploration is celebrated, where not knowing is celebrated, where, where transitions are celebrated, where becoming is celebrated and honored, and like, yeah, you go, I see you. I see you trying to be. And then, of course, we can be a place where we can celebrate the, yes, I got it, I did it, woohoo. Because our sorrows belong to each other, our in betweenness belongs to each other. And our celebration belongs to each other. And that's what home should feel like. That's what love should feel like. A place to test our self. And see if we're getting it right. A place to be seen and known and loved and heard. And rescued. Found. Can we be the home of lostness and foundness? Can we be the kind of loving place where when somebody's missing, we go get them, we stalk them? Can we be the kind of place that's elastic and flexible? Not perfect. And if we can be that in here, can we take that everywhere we go? Can we who are the living body of Christ be home everywhere? with the little babies making noise? Can we be home at work? Can we be home with colleagues who are weird? Weird! <laughs> Super weird. Can we be home? Can we be home for the people who are counting on us, for mothers and fathers, for exes? Can we be home for, on the subway? Can we be gentle and gracious on the daggone Subway. <laughs> Can we take home to the streets, is what I'm saying, and create in each space we are inhabiting the place of grace, the place of I see you, the place of you're not perfect, but I watch you becoming. I can feel you becoming. Can we do that here and there? And can that be the beginning of reign of God building? In the context of safe exploration, can you see how being gracious can be the beginning of conversations that will disrupt left, right, wrong, right, that will build the, the kind of common good, my friends might say. Somebody told me, about 20 of y'all actually, I'm so glad you're coming back and I know you're gonna preach your butt off, they said. And I thought, oh, they need a good Jackie butt whip and they want me to yell at them, we can do it! That's what I thought that they were asking for. <laughs> but here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be love. I'm asking you to celebrate when the one who doesn't deserve it comes back. I'm asking you to be elastic and godlike 
here and there and everywhere, till all of us know how loved we are and therefore we are transformed. So you and they can come home to love. Leaders tell compelling stories that change the story. This is a story. Love wide enough for all. Amen. Good morning, Middle. My name is Graham Bridgman. I am a deacon here. I'm also a fellow this year working on stewardship and care. So I look forward to getting to know all y'all as we are back in the swing of things. Uh, while the choir is getting ready to bless us again, I just want to talk for a moment about, uh, about stewardship, about giving, and about how we as a family support this amazing place we call home. This year we have a goal of $875,000 that we need to raise in order to keep our programming going. And we know that sounds like a really big number, so we thought we might break it down into quarterly goals to make it seem achievable. Uh, so by September 30th, our goal is to raise in uh, donations and in pledges and in recurring things that we can sort of look into the future with, uh, $218,000. Uh, I just came from the morning, the first worship count, so I can tell you that as of this exact moment, uh, we are at uh, $170,000 of that goal, which is almost 80%, which is amazing. You all are amazing. And that is people making recurring gifts, that is people putting their cash in the plate, that is people writing us and telling us, hey, it's not right now, but it's gonna be in December. Uh, so the other thing that's gonna change a little bit, I'm gonna have a table in the back while you're going around getting your stamps for the fair. We're gonna do kind of an old school church thing, which is we're doing a pledge drive, which is to say that there will be pieces of paper that look like this. And if you have a plan of what you might give middle this year, if you can just let us know, that helps us look forward. So one example of that is people who have pledged and made recurring donations. I just told you we've raised $170,000. If I look at all those pledges and all those recurring gifts, whether you're giving them in the plate or online, we've raised almost $300,000. And that kind of foresight allows us to keep doing the programming and keep moving the thing forward and also not have to yell about it only in June. This is a thing that we do every day. I know, I know. So I would invite you, come see me at the table, put your name on an envelope, let us say thank you to you, let us uh, be grateful to you, and let us worship God now as the choir blesses us in song.
Dear God, God of tears and God of laughter, thank you for the abundance of your blessing. Thank you for the abundance of the spirit that dwells in this house, in this home. Thank you for creating with us this home where we can welcome the lost and find you and be found by you. Continue to bless us with the power of your spirit so that we may grow into creating this home and so that we may be empowered to take a little bit of this home out into this world that so desperately needs to know your love. Oh God, we give you thanks. Amen. dream a world? Can you dream a world with me? Can you dream a world in which no matter how someone looks, no matter their size, no matter their skin tone, no matter the thickness of their thighs or the whale thinness of their body, no matter their ethnicity, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, First Nation, no matter who they love and no matter how they love them, no matter what they do to make a living, no matter how they use their bodies, their hands, their feet, their imaginations, can you imagine with me a world in which every child knows for sure 
that just exactly as they are, God made them awesomely and wonderfully in God's image? Can you dream with me a world where the welcoming, love, hugging, kissing, beautiful acceptance in this place travels with us like a force field, drawing others to us, making people feel safe, seen, loved, known, recognized, accepted? Can you imagine the beginning of peace happens just because we see them and we honor them? Can you imagine welcoming the stranger because the stranger is actually you? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the strangeness in yourself? Hello, is accepted? <laughs> and you accept the strangeness in the other as well? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the revolutionary love that is ours to give because we touch and see and know and listen and share without judgment and only with love and peace. Can you see it? Can you imagine it? This is our job to build God's reign on earth right here, right now, today. We're the only ones we've been waiting for. Let's do this. Let's do it now. who God designed you to be so you could be home for somebody just exactly as you are with no apology. So I'm asking you to live into your homeness, your homebodiness, your house spouseness, your housemaking, housekeepingness. Take love with you everywhere and may God bless and keep you all along the way. Amen. Amen.